Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Now here's Pastor Crystal Sparks. So happy Mother's Day to everybody in the house. We're so glad that you're here on this special day. We have a gift for all of you. Uh, one of my favorite things is to take a nice bath after a long, relaxing, uh, long, relaxing day, <laughs> after a long, stressful day. And so we gave you the bath bomb. So it's your job to put the lock on the door and earplugs in and enjoy some time for you today. Amen. Can I get an amen from all the moms in the house? So I love bath bombs. And so I hope you enjoy it as our gift to you. Uh, really excited about what God has on my heart. You know, I really was praying for this message. And it's funny because I don't find myself where we're not in a series very often because we are always in a series. And so you always have to preach off of that. So having the choice of doing whatever I wanted for Mother's Day was a little bit overwhelming. (laughs) And so, but I really believe that I have a word that's going to leave you inspired and excited about what God wants to do in your life. And so we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 31 in the message translation. In verse 10 through 31, in Proverbs 31, and it says this, A good woman is hard to find and worth far more than diamonds. Her husband trusts her without reserve and never has reason to regret it. Never spiteful, she treats him generously all her life long. She shops around. Come on, this is my girl. I think we'd be friends. (laughs) She shops around for the best yarns and cottons and enjoys knitting and sewing and Pinterest. She's like a trading ship that sails to faraway places and brings back exotic surprises. She's up before dawn preparing breakfast or Pop-Tarts for her family and organizing her day. She looks over a field and buys it with the money she's put aside, plants a garden. First thing in the morning, she dresses for work, rolls up her sleeves, eager to get started. She senses the worth of her work and is in no hurry to call it quits for the day. She's skilled in the crafts of home and hearth, diligent in homemaking. She's quick to assist anyone in need, reaches out to the poor, and she doesn't worry about her family when it snows. Their winter clothes are all mended and ready to wear. She makes her own clothing and dresses in colorful linens and silks. Her husband is greatly respected when he deliberates with the city fathers. She designs gowns and sells them, brings the sweaters she knits to the dress shops. Her clothes are well-made and elegant, and she always faces tomorrow with a smile. Give me your best smile. I see you. See, you're Proverbs 31 woman. And when she speaks, she has something worthwhile to say, and she always says it kindly. She keeps an eye on everyone in her household and keeps them all busy and productive. See, babe, when I give you chores, I'm not being a nag. I'm being a Proverbs 31 woman. Her children respect her and bless her. Her husband joins in with words of praise. Many women have done wonderful things, but you have outclassed them all. Charm can mislead and beauty soon fades. The woman to be admired and praised is the woman who lives in the fear of God. Give her everything she deserves. Isn't that so good? Can we pray this morning as we start our message together? God, I thank you so much for this word. Father, I just declare that this is a God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. Father, declare in this house that every ear be open and receptive, that every heart will be softened for the seed of the word of God. Father, I declare in this place that every life will be changed, that no one will leave the same. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. 
Amen. You know, I went to New York this week, and I went with my friends. I went with Nancy, who I lovingly call Mama. I went with Candace, who I call KK, and I went with Crystal Figueroa, who I call C-Fix. I give everybody names. I realized that the other day. Nobody is allowed to have their true name. But we went to New York, and we had lots of fun celebrating Mamaw's 30th birthday. And uh, she's entering the 30 Club. Isn't that awesome? And I told her 30s are way great, although I wouldn't know because I'm only 25. But I've heard that they're pretty awesome. And so, um, But we celebrated while we are there. But we also went to Color Conference uh, with Hillsong and it was amazing. And while we're there, I take food very seriously, Wesley. I mean, I'm the type of person, I believe that you only get three meals a day with snacks in between. So what you choose for those meals is very important because you don't get a do-over on lunch. Like once you have lunch, it's over. And if it's bad, then you have to wait all the way till snack time, which is about three when you get a cup of coffee and then there's dinner, right? So I always take it really seriously. So I'm very contemplative over the menu. Like I pour over all the details. And then I'm the type of person that will ask the waiter what he thinks is good. And then they point out everything on the menu. And then, you know, they're a liar because everything is not good. Like, don't lie to me. Everything is not good. And so we were there in a restaurant and I didn't know what to order. And I'll just say in my defense, the menu had some really crazy stuff like sheep cheese. I didn't even know there was such a thing as sheep making cheese, but apparently they do. I didn't even know that was a thing, but it is. And so they had sheep cheese and all these weird things, words I couldn't even uh, pronounce. I was having to search them on Wikipedia to find out what they were. And so about this time, they bring over this elaborate meat and cheese platter to the table next to us. And all of us at the table said, Oh, we, we'll have what she's having. Like we want, we want that. And so we told the waiter, we want, we want that cheese and meat tray. When we got the bill, we realized why he confirmed, like, do you really want that? And we're like, yeah, sure. And then I, then I realized that I spent my kid's entire college fund on cheese and meat tray. Just saying. Anyways, um, so, but we're there and I, I'll have what she's having. You know, I think about this Proverbs 31 woman and for so long, I did not like this lady. Like, I wanted to meet the Proverbs 31 woman and be like, really, you are giving all of us girls bad raps, making Pop-Tarts for breakfast and barely making it to the grocery store. Like, I need you to not be so awesome. Like, she always speaks kind and never has a bad word to say. You know, she's up early. I'm like, I'm hitting my snooze 50 times in the morning before I get up. She's happy to roll up her sleeves and go to work the next day. I'm like, I'm the person going, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can go to work today. And so I think about this, but really she's not there to intimidate us. She's there to show us what it is to be a woman of virtue, to be a person of upright character. She's there to inspire us, not to discourage us. And, you know, I think a lot of times in the world, if you're a male in this place, you can just change all the she to he because it's the same characteristics that you should be upholding in your own life. And so Brian should be making me breakfast in the morning and he should be enjoying going shopping with me. I'm just saying, right, Darla? And so, but what I'm saying is this is I think a lot of times in life, like we read through the menu of life and it's so overwhelming. 
And we've got this whole world screaming at us what we're supposed to be, what we should look like as wives, what we should be as mothers, what, what we should be as men in our culture, in our society, how we should father our kids. And it's almost like we're looking at the menu and we're so overwhelmed and we read the Bible and it seems like it's such high expectations. It's such big things. And I, I just want to tell you that they're there to show us what it's supposed to be. And there's something when I read this about the Proverbs 31 woman now, that the deepness of my soul cries out and it says, I'll have what she's having. I want that kind of life. I want that kind of life that I'm eager to face the day. And I, I never speak poorly of anybody. I never get frustrated. And, and I'm always excited about what's ahead, that I'm this kind of person. I think that I want you to know that the people in the Bible aren't there to discourage you. They're there to show you what you can be and what you can become. If you're taking notes today, and I hope you are because paper never forgets, uh, you can title this message, I'll Have What She's Having. Or if you're a guy in the place, you can say, I'll have what he's having. You know, prior to 1954, doctors and physicians all believed that it was impossible for a person to run a mile in less than four minutes. They said that the human heart could not take the physical exertion that it would take to run it so fast. So upon that, lots of people hadn't done it until one man named Roger Bannister decided he was going to break, break the four-minute mile barrier. So he trained, he got ready. In fact, the day that he broke the record, there was 20-mile-an-hour headwinds against him as he ran. He broke it on May 6, 1954. What's interesting is he only held the record, are you ready for this, for 46 days. Once he broke the record, all of a sudden the ceiling was lifted and people began to see a potential that they didn't even know was there. People began to train hard. People began to have new goals. When Roger Bannister showed them it was possible, other people began to believe that it was possible and they trained like it was so. To date, 471 people have broken the four minute barrier. One man in particular broke it by 28 seconds less than Roger Bannister. That means it was nearly 3.30. He ran a mile in three minutes and 30 seconds. That is fast. I'm saying that to say there's a world that's looking at you, and they're asking for you to show them that it's possible. They're asking you, show me that it's possible to marry one man and be with him for t- more than 20 years. More than, I think the average uh, years of marriage now in America is five years. So if you're married longer than five years in this building, you are breaking statistics. And I'm saying this to say there's a world that's looking at us and they're saying, show me what it looks like to grow old together. Show me what it looks like to be faithful. Show me what it looks like to have a heart and a passion for God's house. There's people out there and they're longing to see that the impossible can still be made possible. It was um, 2006 and my son was just a few months old and I had gotten invited to go to a women's conference uh, for my friend, April Osteen Simons. And I was there sitting in the service. And I really honestly thought that I was just going to hear a cute little word and amen, praise the Lord, clap my hands and leave. And there I saw what I had never seen before. I saw a pastor's wife who led alongside her husband. 
I saw her, how she led that church. She preached with authority. She spoke with just such eloquence. And I watched the way she loved her kids. I watched the way she loved her church and led her church with grace. And all up until that point, the only way I knew a pastor's wife to be was to sit on the front row, to clap her hands, to maybe play the piano for her husband and to sing. Well, I can't play piano and I can't sing and I'm kind of allowed to just clap my hands. So I didn't feel like I would ever fit into that role. But in that moment, something about her made the depths of my soul cry out, I'll have what she's having. I I want that. And over the next few years, I realized that I could become that. You know, do you live a life that makes people want what you have? Do people look at the life that you live and do they say, I'll have what she's having? I want to have the kind of family that he has. Or do people look at you and think, gosh, I hope I don't end up like that. The Proverbs 31 woman should make us go, I'll have what she's having. I want that. You know, the Bible here in Proverbs 31 is actually written by Solomon. And it was written to his son uh, what he should aspire for his wife to be. So this is like a list of things that she should be. And so I'm going to have you write down a few things. And I believe that there's just a few points. I started out with nine. And that's comical because I'm only going to talk about four. So whittled it a little bit down, kind of long. So we could do a whole conference on this if you guys want. <laughs> um, just kidding. And so... Kind of, not really. Um, Just lock the doors. We'll be in for a while. Um, But God, what what I want you to get here is that the world is looking for unusual. The world is yearning for somebody to break the mold. And there's people who are waiting for you to take your place. You can just keep doing it the way that you've always seen it done. But I want to call to the depths of who you are in this service and call you to rise up and be who God's called you to be. That you're not called to live a normal life and just go to work, pay the bills, and go home. That God's got a greater purpose for you, and it's bigger than what you think. So the first thing I want to highlight here on this Proverbs 31 woman is that calling. She had an unusual sense of her calling and purpose. She said, I love this in Proverbs, it says that she senses the worth of her work, is no hurry to call it quits for the day. She speaks and she has something worthwhile to say, and she always says it kindly. You know, I want to tell you that you have a voice and the world's waiting for you to use it. You have a talent and people are waiting for you to use it. Our church is waiting for you to use it. There's people in your workplace that are waiting for you to use what you have. But you got to first realize that you're called. In First Chronicles chapter 14, verse 2, it says, David now realized why God had made him king and why his kingdom was so great. It was for a special reason. Can I tell you, God's got a special reason for your life. He's got a special call. He's got a special plan. He's got a special purpose. And his, that plan and that purpose is you and only you fit that spot. Nobody else can fill it like you. It says here that David now realized why God had made him. You know, first part of realizing that you're called is realizing it. You got to realize that you're called. It's not, it's not about uh, giftedness or ability, but it's just knowing that God has a plan for your life. I think so many times we think that God's call and his plan is like one size fits all. Like it's only going to look one way. Well, Crystal, I'm not called to pastor a church. No, but you are called to be the pastor of your workplace. 
You are called to be the pastor of your office, the pastor of your business. And as you begin to realize that God has a plan for you and that it's not just my plan, but it's your plan for your life, then you'll begin to take it. My kids, I always tease them and I say this all the time, but I tell them every day, you are the pastors of your school. My daughter is currently pastor at Ruth Cherry Elementary. And uh, my son is currently pastoring at Davis, and Jules is his sidekick uh, there. They're pastoring Davis Elementary together, tag-teaming it. But I tell them every day, you're the pastor of your workplace. You're the pastor of your school. Go be a light in the darkness. See, they're going there to learn, but that's not the calling. The calling's not the learning. The calling's the purpose. And I I was in New York, and I received an email from Bear's teacher. And she said, you know, I have taught a lot of kids but none of them has been as special as Bear. And she said, I started out the year thinking I was going to do for him, but really he's been doing more for me. Now here's a nine-year-old boy making a difference in a teacher's life. And the reason why he's making a difference is not because he's from a pastor's home. It's not because there's something different about him, although I do think he's pretty special. (laughs) But it's because he realized he's called. Do you realize you're called? That office you work in, they're waiting for you to realize it. They're waiting for you to take on your place in that place. It says that David realized why God had made him king. I love this because it says God made him king. Not man made him king. God made him king. The first step is realizing you're called, but the next step is letting God make you into what you'll be. So I'll just challenge you. Don't look at the materials in your life right now like this is all there is. Those are just the materials God's about to use to build into your future. In 2006, when I sat there, I remember watching April on that stage preaching. I was a stay-at-home mom. I had a little infant son. My daughter was a little over a year old. I was stressed out and sleep deprived. Come on, somebody. I was running on coffee and love for my husband. That's it. And uh, I just, I was like, I don't think that God could ever use somebody like me. But once I realized I was called, God did the making. And here I am nine years later. I never dreamed I'd be who I am today. And I say that to say, you may be sitting here right now and you're realizing you're called. And you think, I don't have the stuff that it takes to make me into something great. Here's good news. God does the making. Let him make you in to something great. The next thing I want you to write down is that she had an unusual faithfulness. Unusual faithfulness. He says here, first thing in the morning, she dresses for work, rolls up her sleeves, and she's eager to get started. You know, I have people tell me all the time whenever I was a youth pastor for 13 years, they always tell me, make my kids love God. And I thought, that's the funniest thing anybody could ever say. First of all, I can't make anybody love God. And they'd say, well, can you just make my kids serve God and be better? And and Jimmy, I'm, I'm sure you've never had any parent ask you that, right? And I would always tell them, really, honestly, it's more about what you're doing throughout the week than what I'm doing. Because I only get them two hours a week. And that's if you drop them off for youth group. Can I get a big amen? 
and I may get them an hour on Sunday morning if you choose to come to church on Sunday. I'm just keeping it real here. I can't make a difference in your kid's life in three hours of the week. You know the biggest difference that's going to make in their lives is if you cultivate an atmosphere at home that they have a love for God's house, a love for God's word, a love for God's people. There is nothing. You, people tell me all the time, Crystal, what's the best thing I can do to teach my kids to love God? Let them see you reading God's word. Not on your phone because your phone they equate with Facebook and your games that you're playing and everything. Let them see you holding the written word of God every day. When my kids come out in the morning, they're going to see me holding my Bible, reading my Bible. And people, and then all throughout the week, I, I tell people all the time, we don't do a devotion as a family because devotion time speaks that there's only one section of our life that's set aside for God. Church is something we do. It's not something we do. It's who we are. It's who we are Monday through Saturday, not just on Sundays. So the word's always on our lips. We're always talking about making a difference. And in that, it's changing their lives. God does great things. They're faithful. And so what I want to encourage you here is Lois and Clark, whenever they were exploring into the West, they had taken tons of paper and ink. In fact, they were ridiculed on how much money they kept requesting to buy more paper and ink. It's estimated that it was some two tons worth of paper and ink that they were coding, uh, carting across to the West Coast. That is a lot of paper and ink. And people criticize them for that. But you know what's interesting is for years to come, those papers... And what was written with that ink was what helped us settle the West. They used those maps to help guide and direct them. What I'm saying is this, is your acts of daily obedience is the map that generations are going to use for years to come. And your map of what you're doing every day is either going to lead them to God's faithfulness and his goodness or to the enemy's plan for destruction. And the little things that you think don't make a difference, they make a difference. And as they see you loving God's house and serving with passion and excited to go to church and excited about God's word, guess what they're going to do? They're going to mirror the same thing. Why? Because you gave them the roadmap to God's plan. I want to be the kind of person that gives a roadmap to God's faithfulness and his goodness. Amen. The next thing is unusual joy. Unusual joy. In Proverbs 31, it says, she's like a trading ship that sails to faraway places and brings back exotic surprises. You know, my kids, whenever they were little, they couldn't say surprise, so they called it cuprise. <laughs> it was the cutest thing I would call home when we'd be out of town, and they'd say, Mama, are you going to bring me home a cuprise? And it was a sad day when they stopped calling it a cuprise, and it's a surprise. But they were so excited when we came in the door, they would watch us unzip our luggage and they were excited with expectation about what we would bring. And I say that to, the, that to ask you this, do people get excited upon your arrival? Are they like, oh my gosh, they're coming to the party. This is going to be so much fun. Or when you come in, does it bring heaviness? Does everybody, when you come in a room, get quiet? Your kids tiptoeing with fear that you're going to get angry says she was a carrier of joy and surprises. I want to be known for that. You know, whenever we went to New York, lots of people have different hit lists of what they want to see. They want to see the Empire State Building and the Statue of Liberty. And I'll just say that the Statue of Liberty was way underwhelming. Just for the record, she's about as big as me, but not really, but it seems like it. New, uh, Las Vegas Statue of Liberty is way bigger. I mean, I'll just save you the trip. Just go to Las Vegas. It's bigger. And, um, 
It's all bigger in Vegas. Anyways, but so while I was there, my hit list was I love Elf, the movie Elf. And so I wanted to recreate as many scenes from Elf as possible. Any Elf lovers in the house? Where you at? Yes. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is? Very good. There's room for everyone on the nice list. And so uh, I had so much fun jumping across sidewalks, you know, the crosswalks. And, and while I was running through on the Empire State Building, the revolving doors, screaming like Elf. Ah! And then there was a worker standing out there, crossed her arms crossed. And she said, that was a bad idea. I said, you're a South Pole Elf. Only thing I didn't do is eat the gum on the underneath of the subway. I couldn't do that. Sorry, guys. But I did sing in the Empire State Building. And um, I said, I'm here now. I found you, Daddy. <laughs> it was so much fun. We had so much fun. Everywhere we went, we were making friends. We made friends on the subway. We made friends with our bus driver. Uh, she told us all the clubs to go to. We didn't go to any of them. And uh, it was awesome. We had the best time. Everywhere we went, we made friends. And we were in a restaurant. We are laughing, having a good time. And as our custom was we made friends with the people next to us and we're like well you're our new friends they're like great and we got to know about their kids and everything about them and at the towards the end of the conversation she goes okay what do you all do we're like actually we're with a church and they're like what and then they point at me and they go actually she's our pastor and I was like (laughs) I hope I didn't set a bad example (laughs) and uh she goes really and we said yeah and she with all emotion in her voice, she goes, if you ever start a church here, I'll go to it. And it was almost like the depths of her soul were saying, I'll have what she's having. I want that. I want that. I, w- I want to live my life with that kind of joy. I want to live my life with that kind of excitement. People go, well, Crystal, it's kind of childish. It's kind of silly. I'm not a person that's going to run through revolving doors. Can I just say, maybe you don't have to go to that extreme, but can I just ask you, I think maybe you're taking yourself a little too seriously. The Bible says to have faith like a child. Is there room for fun in your life? When's the last time somebody leaned across the table and told you, I have what you're having. I want that life. We're called to be a city set on a hill, a light that's piercing through the darkness. People are looking for something unusual. Don't just keep feeding them normal. The last thing that it tells us is that she had an unusual love. She has unusual love. She's quick to assist in need and reaches out to help the poor. I read this story recently and I hope it inspires you like it did me. Teddy Studdard was one of those difficult kind of students in class. Gene Thompson was his teacher, and Teddy was the type that was always disrupting, always causing trouble, and always the one to quick to talk out. And he was failing all of his all of his papers, and always was trouble for Miss Thompson. Well, what Miss Thompson didn't know is that the year prior, Teddy's mother had passed away. The counselors had written him up that he needed psychiatric help because of the depression he was battling with losing his mom. So in battling his depression, he was acting out to try to get attention. It was the end of the semester and Christmas was upon them and all the kids brought little gifts to their teachers and Teddy came in with a paper sack bundled up together. Inside was his gift and he walked up and gave it to Miss Thompson. 
The kids kind of snickered at how ugly his packaging was as she began to open it. And inside was a bracelet with a few jewels missing and a half-used bottle of perfume. And she said, thank you, Teddy. And she dabbed the perfume on. Teddy comes up and he said, my mother's bracelet looks beautiful on you. And you smell like her too. As he walked out of the classroom, Ms. Thompson fell to her knees and she said, God, forgive me. I've been a person who's only teaching facts and not a lover of your people. Help me love Teddy like you love him. The next semester started and Miss Thompson gave extra tutoring to Teddy to try to get him caught up with all the other students. She encouraged him and praised him for every little act he did. And before long, Teddy began to outperform everybody in his class. Teddy passed that class and passed that year and went on to the next grade, but his relationship with Miss Thompson didn't end there. They continued to send each other's lot back and forth all the way through college until recently he mailed her a letter that says this. Dear Miss Thompson, you can now call me Theodore J. Stuttered, MD. Would you have ever believed it? By the way, I'm getting married July 26, and I would love for you to come. You can sit where my mother would have sat. You're all the family I have. My dad died this year. I hope to see you soon. Love, Teddy. You know, Teddy's life was changed because somebody had an unusual call. They had an unusual faithfulness. They had an unusual joy that was motivated by an unusual love. What if you began to live your life that way? See, Teddy was changed because he saw something that she had and the depths of his soul cried out, I'll have what she's having. I want that. Let's live that kind of inspirational life. And I promise you this, as we begin to do that, our world will begin to be changed for the better. At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at thechurchrc.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at thechurchrc. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, you can email us at amen at thechurchrc.com.